All right, that was a little 8-bit Wanted Dead or Alive by Mr. Bon Jovi himself. On a steel horse I ride, I'm wanted, dead or alive. Hey, wow. if, if they need some backup, <laughs> backup singers, I'm available. I, I am too, because I've seen a million faces, and I've rocked them all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. Uh, this is Best Friend of Me's. I'm Christopher Long. What's your fucking cowboy name? Oh, dude, I didn't come up with a cowboy name. I'm Johnny Quick Draw Costana. <laughs> That's what the ladies say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. That's what she said. Quick Draw McGraw. I thought, I thought you were Christopher Slow Wagon Long. That works. I'll take okay. it. Yeah. All right. Good Perfect. Well, I'll fix it in the edit. Like, right, as per- always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we do a lot of posts. <laughs> On our podcast. Um, hey, first thing I want to point out is uh, I'm giving a shout out to... Uh, um, a mystery? Oh, that I wasn't even going to do that. Oh, we'll, we'll do it later. You st- go ahead. You stepped. Sorry. You stepped on it. But no, no, no. We're going to do it. Uh, go ahead. I'm going to let you tell this story. I was out of state when this happened. Well, uh, P- Professor Jeff went to our local comic book store, Comics, Tunes, and Toys, and was alerted by Jacob, the local guy there, said, hey, um, you guys had a mystery guest that listens to your podcast and bought you, Chris, and Johnny uh, a book, a comic book, like a... Graphic novel. Graphic novel. And, uh, and each one, is, it was anonymous, and each one was uh, signed, Comic Head. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Comic Head. Hashtag Comic Head was on the bag, so... Yeah, I'm actually hoping Coach Jeff is going to be bringing that comic over to me. I have not received mine. I was out of state Yes. on a road trip with my son, so a bros trip. Uh, but no, I want to read that. So our anonymous... Hold on. Because... All right. Yeah, we don't know. I'm kind of hoping it's like a big breasted <laughs> female fan of ours that or, did it. Or somebody that owns a radio station would be nice. <laughs> yeah, that'd be sweet. Considering, hey, so since this is the banter, we're updating people. Um, so the first time since, t- no, let me think, uh, 2001. So since I've been sober, um, I have not been uh, laid off from a job. And I got laid off from a job from a company I was at for uh, 13 years. Fucking Rona. <laughs> Goddamn Rona. Uh yeah, so I'm kind of like, you know, I would like to know what percentage of the population is going through this right now. And let me also tell you, I'm I'm very sorry to hear that. But you are definitely not alone right now. No. No, and it's dude, it's kind of I mean, right now like the first little bit, I kind of knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I saw they telegraphed the shit out of this. And uh you know, I was like freaked out at first, but then it was kind of like, uh, you know what? I'm going to be all right. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm, I'm doing, I'm kind of settled into it. I'm getting some shit done. Um, well, I've, I've said all along, like, I feel like that's cause you're a writer and you know, had some success at that. So I feel like you need to go all in on that and not do a fucking bo- bullshit, boring job. I told you, you make it famous. And I'm your personal assistant. I'll talk like Sebastian all day. That'd be great. Christopher, you have a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? Uh, it's your wife. Take a message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
course, uh, it's not available right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, actually, I am. I'm. Uh, I'm uh, working on a project, and I'm trying to. Essentially, you know, I got a little bit of uh, wiggle room, uh, and I'm trying to finish something, um, a screenplay right now that I'm just powering through. So, no, I'm actually uh, I'm a way better position than a lot of people out there. Um, and then I'm, you know, I'm just really trying to take the podcast to the next level. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, and it's not even like getting paid to do it. I just always want to be better than full metal podcast. That's right. Yeah. And we got a we got a new sponsor too. Oh yeah. That this is all you. We got a uh, stupidrashguards.com is going to be sending us some rash guards. Oh, nice. And uh they're they're pretty funny. I'm going to wear them like I'm just going to go like the John Donahue and just wear it <laughs> just like wear it in the studio with my wife. <laughs> you know what's funny? I'm wearing a jujitsu shirt right now and my wife came home from work. I mean, I'm just chilling and she's like what the fuck are you wearing? <laughs> so if I tried to wear a rash guard out, I'm like, hey, baby, let's go on a date. <laughs> Do you want to go clubbing? So <laughs> <laughs> what I always feel like anytime I take off my guitar and I have a rash guard on. Wow. <laughs> uh, but we are, so another, uh, thank goodness, you know, since I was, so I got clipped and I immediately hit the road with my son. I'm like, fuck it, let's go on a road trip. <laughs> yeah. I went to New Mexico to see my parents, went to Lake Powell. I live, you know, raised in Utah. I've never been to Lake Powell. Uh, dude, the pictures look dope, dude. Oh, dude, it was rad. And then we went to Utah, drove to Utah uh, to meet my wife there for the fourth. Uh, so, no, it was cool. Uh, but Wait, then, go ahead. I was, uh, before you left on your trip, because uh, we started training again, you had told us, hey, guys. This is the time. This is the date, July seventh. I'll be back. Do you guys, you guys don't have to wait for me. I'm gonna be back to yeah jujitsu on this date. On, on this Monday. date, so so you, and, Wendell, and hey, I. And after not training for you know three months, is you don't really have to twist my arm to like to like wait, wait another week. I was like, oh. Well, you know what's what? We decided to come back, but then while I was on the road trip, freaking Rona is like blowing up, and I'm like. Kind of was waiting, like, dude, uh, has anyone gotten it? <laughs> like, <laughs> is it? Have we that's, heard? It? That's what I did too. Because they asked, they're like, "Why didn't you come back right away?" And I'm like, "I'm like, I just wanted to see if anyone got it when they came back." Yeah, and uh, I so, can't be alone in that. That's no, no, no. So I no, I was there. Uh, so yeah, we were supposed to come back on the Monday, but um, my wife flew out from salt lake on sunday night and so i was like hey um jackson and i are gonna drive home on sunday we'll just meet you home on sunday night well why don't you hang out and you know take me to the airport and blah 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 and i'm like okay hey guys uh i can't come to i can't play with you at jujitsu on monday i hope the loving you got for waiting an extra day and all the shit that i personally gave you was worth it dude yeah. i hope you got men's flowers i hope I hope you got uh, all of the. the, all of the <laughs> I was trying to name some other ones. The <laughs> the Swedish tennis racket. <laughs> the, I got it. The rusty trombone. <laughs> <laughs> the dirty Sanchez. <laughs> the the Superman. What's the Superman? That's when he. <laughs> that's when she tells you no, and you jack it on their back, and you put the uh, 
you put the bed sheet on their back so when they wake up in the it's morning it's dried and they walk away with it stuck to their back like a cape <laughs> wow <laughs> that's so i've heard hey uh <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so <laughs> I was back on Wednesday. Went Wednesday and Friday. It's really good to be back at jujitsu. I miss I miss that whole crew. I yeah. really I really enjoy, you know. And quite frankly, dude, I got nothing else really going on right now since I'm I'm gainfully unemployed. Um so it's kinda nice, you know, having You're to- not alone, dude. There's a lot of people training right now that, that don't have anything to go back to. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. But, but you know what's cool too is a, a lot of gyms they all that was their moment to like you know a lot of jujitsu studios got new mats fixed all the holes in the roofs paint jobs yeah our gym looks fucking spotless yeah oh dude and every time they're done rolling the people disinfecting and 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 uh temperature checks, checks when yeah. you walk in the front door yeah um i mean my temperature i'm kind of questioning because i think i was 96 Chris and I always run hot, dude. You, you know this. You you know that they don't have to take your temperature up your butt. Like most of us, just get it on the forehead. Hey, dude, you do it your way. I do it my <laughs> way. All right. It's more accurate. Hey, and real quick, um, I heard this today. Um, I just want to give a little fuck you to Dustin, who admitted to us today that he turned off all the Rona episodes because he couldn't handle the audio. Go fuck yourself. All right. I'm glad you're still a blue belt. <laughs> <laughs> i i would have turned them off too they're really hard to listen to oh well, i'm not saying i listen to him I'm, I'm just a little offended he freaking admitted that to me he should have lied sounds much better now yeah all right well on this episode we are going to do top five favorite western movies and we're gonna have a sit in uh sit in with coach jeff professor jeff i said don't say the meat and potatoes oh yeah. dude you know what you need to fix this in post, dude. <laughs> you need to go back and fix this. Uh, and then we are going to do uh, recommendations. Yeah. This, do you is, know this is the Western edition, Chris. Yeah. And what did we... I think the episode name we decided on was the good, the bad, and the fugly. Yes. So I'm the good. Professor Jeff is the bad. So that So I'm the fugly? You're the fugly, dude. Yeah, but I'm like E.T. I'm so ugly, I'm cute. <laughs> 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 All right, well, uh, why don't we get this party started? All right. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing out of Costa Mesa, California, two of the meanest podcasters in the game, both Brazilian jiu-jitsu artists with a background in being family men, Chris and Johnny from Best Frenemies. We salute you. On this day, savages. Ha! What's up, bitches? And now, back by popular demand, it's time for Best Frenemies Top 5 List. All right, thanks for that intro, Donnie Darko. All right, we have top five favorite Western films, and we are joined here by uh, Sheriff Sheriff Jeff, Jeff. a.k.a. Prof. Jeff. Actually, I had a friend of mine just mention you. It's funny how people will listen to the podcast and just go, yeah, so like Prof. Jeff, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) (laughs) It was kind of like, 
Oh, yeah. I was like, how the fuck do you know <laughs> Professor Jeff? It's really very nice of everybody. It's funny still, though, because I'm not coaching right now. I'm taking a break from coaching. But that everyone's still like, hey, coach. I mean, prof, I'm sorry. My bad. <laughs> oh, I still it. do that. I yeah. did it now. I was like, where the fuck's coach Jeff? I mean, where the fuck's prof Jeff? Like, I'm really <laughs> pissed at him, but I want to call him by the correct name. <laughs> hey. But that's very nice. But you know what? There are women that I knew, like went to grade school with. I still call them by their maiden name. You know, it's just, I get to know someone or something and it's like, that's it. Now, will you call Johnny professor? Fuck no. No, cause I, cause no, you, you, no. Even when I get a black belt, I, I, I will only call people, they're black belt. Like the people that don't teach, I just call them black belt. Like black belt John. Yeah. Yeah. You're, I think you should only be called professor if you teach yeah, classes. Yeah, they teach. And, that's my thing. It's like when I call them professor, if they teach, but. Now, how do you feel about the. Would you want to have the white bar on your black belt then? Or do you want the red bar? Because some people get kind of, we're going off topic right now, but <laughs> some people get kind of like, well, I don't teach, so I want the white bar on my black belt. I don't care. Okay. You know what? I think that's such so far off yeah. to me that I have not even, I'm just trying to be the best brown belt that I can be. <laughs> brown town. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, brown town. <laughs> I'm just trying to toehold the world. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I got a toehold today in class. Chris. Yeah. What's your first fucking Western? Fine, Debbie Downer. <laughs> All right, my first Western. Uh, top five Westerns, everybody. Here we go. Top five Westerns. And 1982, Man from Snowy River. Have you guys seen that movie? I'm no. saying blank. Lo- Son of a bitch. Are you kidding me? Kirk Douglas plays like two parts, like two brothers. One's so like mad. a cripple. I can't believe you haven't seen. Is Man- that like a double impact with Jean Claude Van Damme? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but Western style. Hey, but this is a shout out. This is an Australian film, so this goes out to Jugs and Jimmy. Oh, like Quigley Down Under. <laughs> yeah, but better. You fuckers, go watch Man from Snowy River. Jugs, Jimmy, chime in with this. All right. All right, uh, let's see. That's, Ch- that's fucking legend, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Johnny, what is your number five? Okay, my number five is actually, it's a, it's movie number two from the Man With No Name uh, trilogy by Clint Eastwood. And so I picked for a few dollars more. I was going to do a fistful of dollars. This is like part two. I was going to do a fistful of dollars, but then when I saw a few dollars more, not only is there the badass Clint Eastwood character, but you get to meet you get to meet Colonel Douglas Mortimer, who is just as good a shot, if not better sometimes, than Clint Eastwood. And the movie was fucking dope, dude. And oh, and Chris, that was uh, 1965 is when that came out. Boom. Boom. Nice. All right, number five, the remake of 310 to Yuma, 2007, directed by James Mangold. He also directed, I think, some of the Wolverine films, especially the last one, Logan, which was amazing. Um, Oh, the original film came out in 1957. The remake stars uh, Russell Crowe and Christian Bale. It's awesome. I like it because Russell Crowe is a... Whoa. Is a villain, kind of. Come on, Johnny. All right, we're good. We're good. Uh, you know what? His, I did like his character in that, Russell Crowe. 
Um, you know what other character I like? I can't think of the actor's name, but the blonde Ben Foster. Hair, ben Foster. I fucking love that guy. And he's great he in that in movie. He was in Hell or High Water. <clears throat> Dude, I love. He's just like the grittiest freaking actor. You know I'm, what else? Wasn't he an alpha dog? Yes. Yeah, he was awesome in alpha Dude, dog. Dude, he's so good. Yeah. But I did like, so Russell Crowe, I mean, he wasn't like, it was kind of like Thanos to me as far right. as his character where it's like, you kind of see where he's coming from. Yeah. And it's like, he has his own personal code and it's like. He's an interesting, he's like, that was my friend. Right. You know? And so like that end scene and where like he turns to look at his gang and Ben Foster's character, that moment of like, oh fuck. <laughs> yeah. Like what just happened? And yeah. Anyway, that's a good, I love that scene. Anyway. So as I was talking, apparently I didn't save. So I'm going on the fly. I lost my list. No, I, you did not. Yes, I did. I Do did. you want me to send you what you sent mm, us originally? No, because I completely rewrote it. So uh, I'm going to do my number four, the 1953 film, Shane. Oh, God. Are you guys fucking (laughs) kidding me? I know what Shane is. Have you seen the movie, Shane? I hope not. (laughs) Because it wouldn't have been that good if he doesn't remember it. No, I know Shane is great. Dude, it is the classic. And if you watch the film, it has been... Like, the basic storyline has been totally, like, cannibalized to, like, from Battlestar Galactica, like, everything. I mean, it's just been, and actually, I'm going to, another film on uh, on my list actually cannibalized it, and it, but it's going to be a little bit higher up. But Shane is classic, classic Western. Dude, I can't even believe, you guys are pathetic. Do you know how many fucking Westerns I watched for this, dude? apparently jeff, not any of dude, the good ones sheriff jeff kept laughing at my feed because i kept posting all these clint eastwood pictures and stuff jesus all right what's your number four johnny my number four i i had to sneak one in 1974's mel brooks blazing saddles so i was when i was like a preteen. <clears throat> i had this buddy ed fain he lived in the neighborhood mayberry ranch that's where i grew up <laughs> sheriff jeff grew up in mayberry ranch and so I go to, and we're like, you know, friend, like going to middle school together. I go to his house. I'm like, mind you, I had no concept of like Mel Brooks comedy. Or I did because I had seen Spaceballs, but that was kind of different. Yeah. And then, so he puts on Blazing Saddles and I was like, oh, this kid's a complete racist. I need to get <laughs> the fuck out of here. <laughs> I was so tripped out because I think I was too young to understand like what was going on at the time, yeah. you know? But uh, I remember now I understand how funny it is. I remember being really little and like like the campfire scene when they're all farting and stuff like that. I was in yeah. right from there on out because like I remember watching Blazing Saddles on TV and I don't even know what channel. They completely edited out the farting scene. Oh, like how do you edit out the farting? Like why is that like the <laughs> yeah. censors like nope we can't allow the farting no flashlights <laughs> yeah like freaking dumb is that so I figured I'd pick one funny one and that is the Godfather of funny westerns uh um what's his name Family Guy oh um uh, to live and die in the West to live by... and die. that's actually it's that one's okay but it's no Blazing Saddles. No, it wasn't in Blazing Saddle. But yeah, no, I mean, dude, I like, I like, uh, I like his humor. Seth MacFarlane. Seth MacFarlane, yeah. All right, what's your number four, Sheriff Jeff? My number four is Appaloosa. It came out in 2008. It's uh, directed by and stars Ed Harris. Uh, it's based on the book Appaloosa. It also stars Vigo Mortensen and Renee Zellweger. Jeremy Irons is like the villain type of guy in the town. Basically, Ed Harris and Vigo Mortensen are gunmen. 
and the townsfolk hire them too to come in and basically clean stuff up. Vigo Mortensen carries an eight gauge shotgun around and is just overly badass. He wears like almost knee high boots and just has a sick <laughs> mustache and just like blasts people with this shotgun. It's really, really good. I like it a lot. I've never seen it. It's I, I would highly recommend it. Renee Zellweger plays a crazy lady, which is perfect for yeah. her. Oh, good. So she high she, pitch whiny voice. She kills it. Yeah, she kills it. Yeah. All right. Well, so um, all right. That's two movies of mine that you guys have not seen. So uh, and then one of yours, my number three, which is the re- cannibalized Shane. It's the 1985 Clint Eastwood directed, starred, produced vehicle pale rider um so that is the essential story of shane where like a stranger comes to town who has a past and he's trying to move on from his past but then it sucks him back in and he's the baddest ass gunslinger in town so it's a typical clint eastwood (laughs) cowboy movie he's really good at that character he the quiet know, brooding badass so the one with clint eastwood i mean the with the pill writer that i liked is that he comes in as like a man of the cloth you know yeah. he's an ass kicker and then he's the man of the cloth but at the very end have you guys seen pill rider motherfuckers <laughs> are you guys shitting me never mind i don't even want to talk about it all right what's your number three johnny my number three is quinn tarantino's uh 2012 2012's django unchained good movie and loved it i just read recently the uh leonardo dicaprio yes like there was that scene where he hurts his hand or whatever that was real and he just kept going oh dude that he just kept i mean it was like keep going i uh, just i just love right at the beginning when he like frees him as a slave and he goes okay now you can uh so we gotta get you an outfit and he's like i get to pick out my outfit and he is the most badass, just pimping cowboy outfit as he's coming in on the horse. You know, as I was going over the my list and looked at Django and Jane, I wonder if they could make that movie now. Well, Quentin Tarantino still making those kind of movies. So. I don't know, dude. I don't know if they could make that now. Well, you know what I always think that about is um, Tropic Thunder. Oh, no. Actually, oh, yeah. I just listened to an interview with Ben Stiller on my bro's trip. I was listening to a podcast. He was like, there's no way we can make tro- Tropic Thunder now because blackface. Yeah. 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 But that was kind of the joke in the movie. Was it was it like, a joke, but he doesn't think he would be able to do it. Yeah. But. I got you. Just like The Office couldn't be made nowadays is what Steve Carell is always saying. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was an excellent movie, though. I loved it. All right, what's your number three? Number three is 2015's The Revenant, directed by Alejandro G. Iñárritu, based on the book The Revenant by Michael Punk. Uh, it's got Leo. Leo is in it, Tom Hardy. Um, man, just like the way it's shot, the cinematography. Love. It's incredible. The opening scene where the camera like does a full 360, like when they're... They're like hunting or something down in the forest, but then there's like a raiding party comes in at the same time. And um, I remember sitting in the theater. Did we go see that movie together? And it's just like the whole screen is like flipping and I'm just like, yeah. oh, this is incredible. And then like also just the the whole process. I mean, yeah, everyone talks about the bear scene, but the stuff that's even more crazy to me is like when he like is approaching the um, 
the native American who's like over the animal's body and he like needs food. And then they like cut open a horse and put him inside like to save his life and all this stuff, man, just real gritty, real gross, like amazing. So filming that movie, Leonardo DiCaprio told Tom Hardy that you're going to get nominated for uh, best supporting actor for your role. You're so good. And Tom Hardy's like bullshit. And uh, he goes, if, if, if that happens, I will tattoo your name on my body. And it did happen. <laughs> and uh, Tom Hardy now has a tattoo that says Leo knows. <laughs> Shut on, up, really? On his arm. Dude, Tom Hardy is one of the best actors we have right now. You know what? And I feel like he's still underrated. Yeah, he is. Dude, he is fucking fantastic. I mean, and he's so good in a supporting role. It's like, it's, you know, obviously in, in Fury Road, Charlize Theron was incredible, but it's also the ability of him to be that supporting character that makes it so awesome. He, I mean, God, even, I mean, um, Lawless, he was great in that too. Uh, and, Peaky and, Blinders, his role in Peaky Blinders. Yes. Uh, Inception, yep. killed it. Yep. I mean, there are no small parts, just small actors. Real so. quick on your film too. There, there's that line where he talks about the tree mm-hmm. in the movie. And that was like my favorite part where he talks about how in a storm it can bend, but it won't snap. And like super inspirational shit. Yeah, it's awesome. Love it. All right. Okay, name another movie we haven't seen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping you guys have seen this one. Uh, the 2016 film, Hell or High Water. Yes. So this is... Oh, you need to watch it. It's on Netflix. You'll okay. love it. Oh, it's, it's on Netflix. Con- I'll watch it tonight. It's a contemporary Western, but it is definitely a Western. I mean, two brothers going on like Robin Banks. Um, and jeff bridges plays like the sheriff coming after him it, oh, gotta it, see it. it is a great film no it's awesome it's like yeah. one of those movies i always meant to see and i knew i would like it but and, i just didn't see it and ben foster so chris pine is one of the brothers but ben foster's the and ben foster's the badass yeah, one yeah i mean he's the one that yeah it's great i highly recommend it all right what's your number two johnny my number two is <clears throat> you could you guys can watch 1969 or 2010s true grit i loved them both I loved him with John, John Wayne and Jeff Bridges one. I just watched the Jeff Bridges one for the first time, like two weeks ago. It was really good. It was yeah. really good. The John Wayne one's killer too. Yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed I mean, them the both. The Coen Brothers, it really kind of surprises me. The Coen Brothers yeah. remade True Grit. but Well, that little girl, she, did she win an Academy Award? I know she was nominated. For I know she was, a nom- or she was nominated. I don't know if she won. She might have been the youngest nominated. Actually, I think Anna Paquin was. I heard she's a big Trump supporter. Dude, the chick in True Grit? The girl, the little girl, which is interesting. Hmm. Huh. Wow. Well, we don't get into politics on uh, (laughs) On Best for Enemy. Well, except when I talk about my left-leaning podcast, I love. Uh, Yeah. So that movie's not on my list. Uh, (laughs) Well, then watch the John I'm Wayne one. I'm glad she got bit by a snake. Let's put it that watch, way. Watch the John Wayne one. Yeah. John Wayne one's awesome. John Wayne one's also. Just watch the other one. Too. <laughs> uh, all right. What's your number? Bird Cycle's probably taking all their photos <laughs> of John Wayne down now. <laughs> hey, did you actually read that interview that he gave the big to-do? Hey, you yeah, know what, right? dude? That was an eight-hour interview. He was probably fucking wasted on his boat. Dude, that was rough. Down at class of 44, just drunk. Oof, dude, that was rough. Like, 
Yeah. I mean, and especially for the time period. I mean, it was like in the 70s right. and he's saying right. all this right. shit. Right. Like, woo. Anyway. All right. What's your, but we don't get political on best frenemies. Uh, What's your number two? I'm number two, No Country for Old Men, 2007, written and directed by the Coen brothers, based on the book by Cormac McCarthy. Uh, you know, all the all the hits, Tommy Lee Jones, Javier Bardem is incredible, um, Josh Brolin. This is like the beginning of Josh Brolin breaking back out again, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, now I feel. This is kind of like his second coming as a... As after a big, Goonies. After yeah, Goonies. So gonna say. <laughs> and uh, what else was he in? Rad? Uh, yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. But, um, I mean... You understand like the power of the Coen brothers when you get someone like Woody Harrelson to, to just do a bit. Yeah. Right. He basically shows up for a, a scene or two in a hospital. That's like the level of the Coen brothers. I mean, it's so good. It's it is so such good. good. You know, the one scene that still kind of haunts me to this day when he comes out of the house at the very end and he looks at the soles of his feet and you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> she's fucking dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and but it was didn't say anything, didn't telegraph anything, but just that him doing that was like. Oof. I just want to know what here, but Bardem's uh, what the inspiration was for the haircut. I read an interview that he talked about. He did not fully grasp that character. He agreed to play it. Yeah, he read the book, read the script, and he was like, "It's really good." But he's like, "Dude, I just do not." understand this character Shug, yeah. like, until he got the fucking haircut the door of the explorer yeah haircut. and it was like it he was like at that point it was like i am this character well like, it's also the, what i always think about after the fact is like i know that in those films there is no improvisation so like the coen brothers are renowned for having it's they know exactly how they want it shot they know every word of dialogue. There is, no one's improvising, right? I no. mean, it's like you look at a movie like The Big Lebowski and you're like, oh, they for sure improvised. Not a single line was improvised. And for them to have written that all out, I mean, it's incredible. It's just like they're, those two, those guys are geniuses. No, they are geniuses. I mean, they're body of work. Heads or tails, friendo. <laughs> oh, I mean, when he, when he tells the guy, <laughs> the he's, like, he's like, don't put it in your pocket. Because then it'll just be another quarter. Yeah. And then he says, which it is. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, this is as, it's as good as it gets. You know, their body of work, like, they could get, if they wrote novels, they would win the Nobel Prize in Literature. I mean, you look at, you know, people that win the Nobel Prize in Literature, they have, like, decades of these, you know, substantial works of art. The Coen brothers, to me, have that substantial. I mean, even their first one, Blood Simple. Mm-hmm fucking fantastic there's an so good yeah i don't know if i sent you guys the interview but there's an interview on youtube and it's um what's that other great director's name he did he did um like the original hellboys and um he did pan's labyrinth and oh, he did, uh, uh, guillermo del toro yeah and he interviews them but they just talk about blood simple oh dude blood so simple it's him asking great. them questions about that and then also he kind of but then he talks about other films that kind of repeat that stuff or how they like the way they did films then and the way they do it now. It's really interesting. We studied blood when I was in film school, spent like, you know, I don't know, fucking like a month just dissecting blood simple, like such a good, I mean, anyway. Uh, so this is my number one. So I guess this brings us to how we kind of got started with the, Top five westerns is the 1969 Wild Bunch. And please tell me you guys have seen Wild Bunch. Do you know how many fucking westerns I've watched for this, Chris? 
So of Good. my whole list, my whole list, <laughs> of my whole list, you guys have seen one, Hell or High Water. No, you I haven't seen, seen any of those. You haven't <laughs> seen any of mine. Hey, but that's just something that he can do now, Chris. Don't Dude, get it, Wild don't get mad. Bunch. I'm excited to. Do I yell at how many albums you need to listen to right now? I know, you know David. I don't like music. <laughs> you know I don't like music. Uh, so, yeah, my number one uh, is the quintessential Western film by Sam Peckinpah. Um, it took screen violence. You know, that was like the first like mowing down like squibs and seeing body parts and, uh, you know, having main characters that are completely um, unredeemable, but redeem themselves. I mean, they have a code. Sam Peckinpah was big. Like, we have a code. You do not leave any man behind. And so it's like we're going out, you know, in a blaze of glory, but we're going to walk into our house justified. (laughs) I, what's what is that on? Is that on Amazon Prime? You can get it on Amazon Prime. Okay, I I do plan on watching. It. I have seen it. You, you don't think that I would like did a little cheat and uh, and might, looked up like top twenty five westerns and shit while we were doing this? To, I like, might I might have a DVD copy that you'll I'll lend to you, but you might lose. Like I did Super Trooper, and then we'll be even. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all right. What's your number one? My number one is the third. Of the Man With No Name trilogy. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And... (laughs) (laughs) Sergio Leone was... Who did all the spaghetti westerns. Yeah. Fucking killed it. I mean... And and you learn in film school, they called them spaghetti westerns because it was... Italy. Yeah. And they did not know. When they went down there, they had no idea those were going to be big films. It was just like, hey, we're going to shoot them in... uh, you know, I think they did some Spain. Right? Yeah, on like the, the cheap. Yeah. And yeah. everyone. And Italian directors, Italian right. composers. All yeah. of it. And then all of a sudden, it fucking blew up. Gangbusters, dude. Yeah, and they're like, shit, they made so much Because money. the Western phase, yeah. So, I mean, Clint Eastwood, he was like Gunsmoke. I mean, he was actor on Gunsmoke. He didn't think, but he blew but up after did that. Dude, this third movie, it's probably my, that's why, it, there's a reason why it's number one. It's. Insane. It was my favorite of those, the so trilogy. It, they were taking like the best parts of the first two and bringing people, like the, the guy that plays the colonel, he's back in it. And like he has like a sidekick that they're pulling scams in the beginning, which was hilarious. Like he would, uh, like they'd find out how much the guy was, <laughs> was worth to bring in to hang and it'd be like $3,000. So they'd turn him in and then, and then he'd get all like uh, strapped up and then Clint would shoot the, uh, the break the rope with the bullet and take off with them and they go to the next town and do the same thing. Wait, you didn't say spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I mean... No, it was good. And I did see... I have watched those movies. Yeah. So, you've only watched one of mine. You're from Utah. Of course you watch those. <laughs> All right, Sheriff Jeff, what's your number one? Uh, my number one, Hateful Eight, 2015, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. Music is by Ennio... Morricone. That's my boy. The same guy who did the music for the many of the films that Johnny just recommended. May and, he rest uh, in it's peace. It's got all of Quinn's, you know, it's got Samuel L. Jackson, Kurt Russell, Jennifer Jason Lee is incredible, uh, Walton Goggins, you know, and many, many more. So when I went to see this movie for the first time, it was on Christmas Day of 2015. And me and my wife's family, we go see a movie every Christmas. It's what we do. And so I really wanted to see Hateful Eight, but there was only one theater showing it. It was like somewhere up in LA. 
we were in Long Beach. That's where her family lives. And the tickets, for some reason, were a little more expensive. They're like $20. And we're, but we really want to see the movie. So we got tickets. We go to the movie. Anyways, we get there. When we get there, they give us like a playbill. Like it was, we were going to see like a play or something or whatever. And then we come to find out it's going to be played on Super 8 and that there's going to be an intermission. Oh, you mean 75 millimeter. 75 millimeter or whatever it is. It's going to yeah. be played on film. Yeah. And they're going to play the score before the film. And they're going to do an intermission and all this stuff. And so we're like, okay, whatever. We don't have anything else to do. So then they have us get in line and we're kind of like in this roped in line and we're standing in line to go to wait to, for them to admit us into the theater and Quentin Tarantino walks by. <laughs> and then we went into the theater and everybody's freaking out at this point. Like, Oh my God, is that Quentin? Like, was that really him? And so then we go in and we get our seats, we sit down. And so Quentin walked up. And he's like, hey, I just want to thank everybody for spending your Christmas uh, watching this movie. Basically gave us a rundown of how it was going to go. They're going to play the overture from the film. Then they were going to play however many acts. Then there would be an intermission. And then it would be like the final act of the film or whatever it was. And then he's like, yeah, and I'm going to sit and watch the movie with you guys. I don't know if that was true or not, but that's what he said. But it was super cool. I mean, I think that's fucking dude, rad. Dad, can you imagine? I would be just geeked out. I going geeked to a movie out. and then all of a sudden all that happens. Yeah, it was incredible. And it's it's interesting. It's like I would if you had asked me before. I mean, I still hold like Kill Bills. I lift Kill Bills the highest. I love those like two films. But over time, I watch Hateful Eight all the time, and I don't know why that is, but because it's super long and it's really dialogue heavy, but. I'll be like on Netflix, like looking for something to watch. And you know that they, they did the extended version. Oh, yeah. I, I watched it and it's like, <laughs> it's like four hour episodes or whatever. Each of it, they cut it up into extended version. But, um, yeah, I really, I mean, and I'm a huge, I love Kurt Russell so much. So, um, you know, he, so when he was doing pimping for hateful eight, he was on Howard Stern and he was like, of all my films, if I told anyone like, all right, this one you need to see in the theater and like let it breathe and spend time with it. Hateful Eight's the one. And I yeah. took that to heart. My wife and I, we went and saw, they had a screening 75 millimeter uh, down in Irvine Spectrum and we went down to watch it. And I watched the film and it could have been a play. Yes. Like he could yeah. have been a right. Broadway play. Yeah, because it was yes. basically in one room. That's what I say all the time is I'm like, and I think that's part of what I love so much about it is that to me it feels like a play. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, hey, and, do you, do you guys remember that that movie almost didn't get made? Yeah. Because the... Oh, yeah. They released... Quinn's like someone like released the script. Only two people. It could have been only one of two people. And like, he's like, now that it's been like, it's been revealed, I'm not going to make it. Like that was like for months, it was like that. And we're like, well, yeah. what? We don't get a Quentin Tarantino Western now? Like it was a big deal at the time. Yeah. It was to me. I was freaking. All right. That concludes top five. Favorite Western films, Sheriff Jeff, thank you for stopping by. Giddy up, little doggies. <laughs> All right, thanks, everyone. Bye, y'all. I want to be a cowboy. I'm going to be a cowboy. I'm born to be a cowboy. I want to be a cowboy.
We're back, y'all. Now, if you just listen to that top five and you're like, I cannot believe those yellow lead bellies did not bring up Tombstone. Well, we were just funning. We're going to go in-depth into Tombstone. So Tombstone was a film that was on all of our lists. So we decided, hey, we're going to talk about Tombstone. And apparently, I don't even know if Johnny's seen it because before we start recording, uh, Professor Jeff and I are just going back and forth doing lines. Uh... So what's your favorite line from Tombstone? Oh, law don't go around here, <laughs> Mr. Kansas City Law Dog. Uh, I think mine would have to be at the OK Corral. I got you now, you son of a bitch. <laughs> You're Daisy if you do. You are my true friend. What, where's that from? When he's in the bed at the end? Oh, okay. Fuck you, Chris. I've seen it. <laughs> you, uh, are, you are not my huckleberry. So... I think Tombstone, it has to be my favorite Western film. It is, if it's on, it's one of those films, I have like six of them. If it's on TV, I stop and watch it. Every scene is great. Yeah. Um, the acting's great. I think um, it, it's a travesty that uh, Val Kilmer did not get nominated for Best Supporting Actor for that role oh. as Doc Holliday. Yeah. Fucking killed it he was so fucking good in he's that amazing film. in it he's so freaking good yeah uh and then this just came out i don't know i mean i think i first heard this maybe 10 years ago where it came out that kurt russell directed that film yeah like the director that they had come on board was on set but was like hey you're gonna be like um call in action or whatever but it's like i'm fucking directing it. everyone like val kilmer was like yeah kurt russell he was the whole reason for tombstone yeah i guess the guy that that wrote it robert kirkman was originally supposed to direct it yeah but i guess they had to do a bunch of rewrites and kind of cut back the script because it was so bloated yeah and then they got rid of him and then they bring in this guy uh chris they bring in what's his name George oh, Cosmodos. Yes. And, but actually they're like, he was basically a ghost director. Yeah. He was just, I mean, he's just credited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, apparently Kurt Russell told me, he's like, Hey, it won't ever come out until like you're dead. That, you know, the truth. <laughs> yeah. And so he died and it was like, yeah, Kurt Russell directed. <laughs> and I mean, who knew? I mean, right. Kurt Russell, I mean, I don't know. There is nothing, nothing bad about that film. Like from start to finish. I mean, just remember the opening scene where they do the old black and white footage yeah. and then it cuts to like 
you know, the present day or whatever yeah. in the film and they're riding towards you and dude, you're introduced to Ringo. Oh yeah. You know, that, oh, you know, he's not leading this gang, but he's a fucking crazy asshole. Yeah. Like he has no soul. Um, and you know, so reading up on Tombstone, there mm-hmm. are a couple things that, so apparently that whole scene where, you know, you have Wyatt Earp kind of walk out into the fucking river to shoot Curly Bill. Yeah. That was true. Like that happened. It was reported that Wyatt Earp did it and Curly Bill went out and was like, all right, let's get him. All his shots missed him and they were like, what the fuck? And Wyatt Earp took him out with a double barrel shotgun. Like that was a true story. That's Um, so wild. That is wild. Like, Isn't it wilder when you're like, oh, that was in Arizona. It's like not that (laughs) far away, right? Yeah. It's like, and the, the whole, like, I watched a documentary on Doc Holliday, and that whole thing, like, there was a scene where he was with him in Tombstone and, and Wyatt Earp, and they do it in the movie. He's like, hey, Doc, you don't need to be here. This has nothing to do with you. He's yeah. like, that's a hell of a thing for you to say. Yeah. That was, he really said that. Yeah. That was really, you know, he was like, Wyatt Earp was essentially his only friend. And, it, you know, the only bummer, though, I guess they had a falling out later in life, mm. but yeah, they were like, I mean, for Doc Holliday was like, no, he's white Earp was like my only friend. Like I got your back. But. Yeah. Oh, I think there's, that's definitely that tone in the, and I think when they, when they cut down the script, they were, they wanted a, more of an emphasis on that friendship between Doc and, and um, Wyatt. And, it's this really interesting thing where they're like, someone says to him, well, like, hell, I got lots of friends, doc. And he's like, well, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you out here? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's my friend. Hell, I got lots of friends. Yeah. (laughs) I don't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that kind of summed him up. But man, that fucking end scene where Wyatt comes in and he's like, I mean, which apparently after watching the documentary was total bullshit, but he comes in with the book, like doc holiday, my friend. That's what I was saying. Yeah. (laughs) Freaking that Val Kilmer. There's no one else that could have played him. That whole, actually, you know what, what I found out too. Initially, Willem Dafoe was supposed to play doc holiday. Wow. And I don't, I mean, and I love him. Yeah. He's fucking great. But dude, I just don't see anyone. Yeah. Like, oh, you're not wearing a bustle. How lewd. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't see anyone, but. When he twirls the teacup. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love. So another fun fact about the film, which I appreciate because I'm a, I'm a mustache wearing man. Yes, you are. Is that all the mustaches in the film were real? They're rocking some. Yeah, those mustache. are all the real mustaches we just found out. Yeah, actually. When Sheriff Chad, you knew that? No, I no, that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. No, I was. Just, I'm already jumping because there's so many parts. As a drug addict, when she's talking about, they don't have laudanum here. Yeah. I always, yeah, I missed out on laudanum, dude. Oh, yeah. God damn it! Like, no, and I felt like when they don't have your shit, oh, <laughs> that's when panic sets in. Be careful, so. it gives you the hop. I don't even know what the fuck that means, yeah. but it didn't sound good. I want in. Or how about when uh, Curly Bill comes out of the opium den and he's like shooting at the oh, moon? Yeah. Like that, that scene's so good, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he shoot. Oh. I mean, oh. and like Sam Elliott is so good in it as well. And, and Bill Paxton is really good at playing like the more naive and like he's like looks up to Wyatt so much. And there is always like, you're the one, Wyatt, you know, and is like looking up to him is like, and Virgil's way more sober about the whole thing. It's like initially. Wyatt is able to be like, I don't care. 
Like, I don't want anything to do with law anymore. I had that thing happen. I don't want to have it. I want to make some money. We need to make some money. Yeah. And it's like that breaking point where like Virgil shows him the badge and, and why it gets all pissed at him. And Virgil's basically like, you're not like, what are we supposed to do? We're just going to like basically leech off this town and not do anything for it or not stand for anything. I mean, the thing is, though, I, I mean, I get why it's like me too, dude, I don't want to get fucking involved. Yeah. And what happened? Get involved. Fucking one of his brothers died and the other one was shot and yeah. lost the use of his arms for the rest of his life. You know, like, dude, I get it. But, you know, I mean, dude, the whole scene where he goes into the, uh, the Pharaoh game. Oh, yeah. You know, and you have freaking Billy Bob Thornton. You know, and yeah. I'm real scared. Oh, I can see you're scared. Yeah. <laughs> Skin that smoke wagon. Yeah. Uh, Jerk that pistol and go to work, boy. <laughs> Johnny Tyler, you mad cat. Doc, I didn't know you was in town. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jared, or the, leave the shotgun. Sets it down. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that movie is start to finish is fucking perfect. Yeah, I love it. And it was on all three of our lists, so yeah. that's why we thought we'd we'd just have a little fun and not include it on any of our lists. To hopefully we tricked at least one of you listeners out. Well, there. I know Lou is fucking cursing Steaming. us. Steaming. Yeah. Like, I hope he sends us a text before we get to this part. Yeah, Lou. <laughs> What's wrong with him? He's a longer. Good. I hope he dies. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I could. I mean, seriously. I there are probably six lines from Tombstone that I say weekly to my family, yeah, and it still holds up too. That's just one of those movies that's just awesome. It does hold up. I You're not as dumb as you look, Ike. <laughs> and if you haven't seen it, go see it at your house. Yeah, it holds up. It, it does hold it up. It really holds up. So that is the consensus number one top Western. So, folks, Sheriff uh, Jeff, thanks for coming by with your sweet stash. Again. You're a daisy if you do. You're a daisy <laughs> if you do. Uh, all right. Thanks, folks. I play country music at my little cabin home in the hood. And I play rock and roll cause it makes me feel good. I play them old blues, take the load off my mind. I play what I please Out of tune and out of time If guitars were guns, Lord, I'd be Jesse James That's stealing the show Like robbing them trains Riding up too hot out in that Tennessee rain. Loaded guitars with guns, I'd be Jesse James. All right, we have our segment, hashtag Comic Head. Got Johnny here and Professor Jeff. It's great to be back. Uh, and real quick, my son. 
rolls his eyes every time I bring up hashtag comic head. What does it, what's the deal with the hashtag? <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. That's just stupid. I'm like, that's why we do it. <laughs> it's a mind, mind scramble. Yeah, that, that came from a feed. We were on a text group and... Uh, Anytime I would drop my horrible knowledge of uh, <laughs> comics, I would always end it with hashtag comic head. Yep, that's right. <laughs> well, John, Johnny's also a, what are you a self-proclaimed hashtag Millerhead? <laughs> that's right. I am a I am a Millerhead. Big big fan. Big fan. Big fan. <laughs> um, all right. So in this segment, we uh, recommend a comic that we have read recently, and uh, we're going to re- recommend it to you. So we're going to let. Professor Jeff, go first. Okay, my recommendation is actually a book Chris gave me to read, and it's called Chew. Uh, This was volume one, Taster's Choice. Chew is a comic published by Image, and it's written by John Lehman. And uh, this first arc, the art is done by Rob Guillory. I hope I'm saying that correctly. He did the art and the colors. And then what's interesting on here is that it says that uh, the author also did the letters. So that's pretty cool. Because you know, that doesn't really happen all the time, does it? No. Not, not that I'm aware of. You right. know? I mean, there's some writers that are artists, you know, like Frank Miller. Right, right. That you would, it would make sense for them to, screw it, I'm going to do my own letters. But, yeah, I'm not that talented. Yeah. So this book, I really liked it. Um, I would say it's not for people that... Um, get nauseous easily (laughs) because the book is about this agent, Tony Chu. And basically when he eats something, he gets psychic readings from it. Oh, you son of a bitch. I'm in. And so whether it's um, like food or a human being, he like sees back in the past of whatever it is that he ate. And he works for the U S food and drug administration and basically they use him as, you know, part of this special team to solve crimes. So he's essentially like a forensic. I kind of thought of him as like a forensic detective, yeah. but he does his forensics through like his own psychic power, um, you know, from eating these things. And he's a, in this first book, obviously he's a rookie just joining the force and the art is really good. Um, it's kind of got this almost more, I guess cartoony style is the way I would describe it. But um, I really, really enjoyed it. It's uh, really gross and raunchy and funny. And um, the cool thing about Chew is that it ran from June 2009 all the way to November 2016. There's 60 total issues, so there's definitely plenty there to bite into. (laughs) And we're back, baby. Got him. <laughs> so I highly recommend it. I love Image Comics. I also love Image Comics because, and I'll say this again, number one volumes are always $10. So if you want to try a new comic, Image is a great place to try because instead of spending your average like 16 or 17 or $18 that a DC number one or a Marvel number one would cost you for a trade, Image is usually $10 for every number one trade. So that's my recommendation. Um, Chew, C-H-E-W. Word. Uh, Johnny, what do you got? Well, um, last week was the two-year anniversary of Anthony Bourdain's death, and uh, and I and I knew that I had this like collaboration uh, comic. It's called Tales of Fear and Food from Around the World: Anthony Bourdain's 
Hunger Ghost. So basically, it's a uh, it's a collaboration with uh, with Joel Rose and uh, and a, and a bunch of other artists like horror comic artists. It's uh, it's basically Japanese folklore stories. And then Anthony uh, kind of Anthony Anthony wrote the stories with this guy, so it's like a collab on that. And then he adds like crazy recipes after some stories too. He has like nine recipes in the book too. Like uh, Tokyo ramen. And uh, I looked at it and I was like, oh shit, I'm going to make one of these. And then I just saw the, all the ingredients he had and I was like, there's no way I will ever <laughs> even attempt this. <laughs> but it's cool to have. And the artwork's killer. And like, I, dude, I love Japanese folklore. Was that uh, Vertigo put that out? Uh, Burger Books. Hmm. But not. it's... It's cool. It's really nice. It's a cool, cool coffee table book. I got the, the one that had them all in it. I got it at a Comics, Tunes, and Toys in Tustin. Nice. Nice shout out. Yeah. That's our local comic shop. <laughs> go see Jacob <laughs> and go see Mike. I, uh, yeah, Anthony Bourdain. We were talking about this before we started hitting record. Uh, he was a bummer. That was a bummer. He was a great ambassador for Jiu-Jitsu and... A legit ambassador for jujitsu. Yeah, he. Uh, I don't know. He should. Yeah, we're know. talking. That was a bummer. It was you, a bummer. There's celebrities that do jujitsu, and then there's celebrities that really do jujitsu. Like he competed in New York. Yeah. No, he was in it. Like, I mean, he had like a burner account to go on a jujitsu like message board, and he was. I mean, just like everyone, like new, and they're talking about it, and he's putting up all the. You know, all these accounts yeah. came out after he died, and I mean, dude, he was totally into it. But oh yeah, I remember seeing that, and yeah. then dude, that was one of my biggest regrets. Is I remember seeing him at AOJ. He was having a private lesson. It was during uh, Donovan was was training in the afternoon, and I'm like, who's that? Who's that tall old dude? Then I was like, oh shit, that's Anthony Bourdain. But uh, I didn't I didn't work up the nerve, and I didn't want you know, he was visiting our school and. I didn't want to go and take a picture with them. But then later on that night, I saw like everyone <laughs> took a picture oh, with them. Everybody. Well, Danny has a photo with him up in his academy. And I'm just like, oh, I wish I had seen Anthony. At least like to say, <clears throat> sometimes with people like that, like with him, I, I would have loved to just say thanks, you know? You know, and I mentioned it. I mean, before we started hitting record, I mean, we started jujitsu around the same time. And he kept me in, like, when I was a white belt, going, dude, what am I doing? I'm freaking 40. Like, this is ridiculous. And I'm like, well, Anthony Bourdain's doing it. He's 56. So, I, you know, I can't be a pussy. <laughs> and we got our blue belts around the same time. And right when I got my purple belt, I was looking. I was like, all right, Bourdain's going to be getting promoted here pretty quick. And then, like, three days later, he killed himself. Oh. And I was like, god damn it. That was a bummer. Anyway, all right. So, my recommendation uh, it is The Crow Pestilence, and it's by uh, the great novelist Frank Bill, and it's drawn by uh, Drew Moss. The book came out in 2014. Oh, you wanted to see the... Sorry, Johnny. I like the pictures, Chris. Oh, you want, <laughs> I feel like it's reading Rainbow. And then we got this picture. <laughs> uh, a man with a gun to his head, and yes, the man is wearing... Makeup. Hey, so this is the same crow like the like the movie I watched yes. with the bitchin' soundtrack. Yes, I'm in. It is. 
Okay, done. Uh, so the it premise says, is a young boxer uh, named Salvador uh, refuses to take a fall in a match, but he takes the cartel's money. So they promptly track him down and kill him. But with the crow, he comes back for vengeance. Um, God damn it, Johnny. That what I was making, I was, I'm adding sound effects now. That was perfect. <laughs> Right in the middle of Chris's monologue. <laughs> I know. So Frank Bill, um, I recommended a book of his, his first published book, uh, Crimes in Southern Indiana. He is writes noir. So he, when I heard that he was writing The Crow, it was like, perfect for it. Uh, came out uh, by IDW in 2014. My understanding, this is his only comic book. He uh, also wrote the novel Donnybrook, which was recently made into a movie. I have that on my TV right now. Yeah. Um, he, Frank Bell, he's amazing and a super nice guy. Um, had a few uh, chats with him via DMing and Instagram. I was like, well, I didn't really talk to him. but <laughs> I didn't know where that was going to go there for a second, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, no, I was trying to think like, well, I didn't talk to him, but, uh, it, he's really heavily into martial arts, uh, trained, uh, Kung Fu since he was like 11 to like 30. So he, uh, he's great. I highly recommend it. And the crow, I don't, you know, I'm a sucker for a good revenge story. Um, can't rain all the time. No, it can't rain all the time. And you know, actually the movie, the crow, which was based on comic with brandon lee um man that was amazing i loved it like he would have brandon lee would have had a huge career yes. if he wouldn't have yes. died like i watched that that, film. Career, that that film would have escalated him to he would have been leading man oh absolutely know. it was amazing he did yeah. such a great job and it was incredibly tragic like quite frankly better actor than his dad yeah yeah you but, know so good um but anyway Back to the comic. So, Crow Pestilence by Frank Bill and Drew Moss. And uh, I just want to tell everyone again that our favorite comic shop is open now. They are the open. They're open, baby. So, uh, Comics, Tunes, and Toys in Tustin on Newport Boulevard. Chris and is going to do a signing soon. Yeah. I, you yeah. know what? I know <laughs> you, guys, you guys all know that I'm a, I'm a comic head, but yeah, I just got to tell them. That has major alarm set. But you, All right, I gotta I, set the alarm to say that I'm a comic kid. <laughs> no, but listen, listen. But I gotta tell the public, like, there's nothing. You can buy comics online, but there's nothing like going in there, and and just going through. It, it, it reminded me of all my record stores have closed down, so I have embraced the comic book world. And it is it, a great shop. It's the only feeling that comes close to like going into a record store is going to a comic shop. Last week I went in and. Uh, I had seen Adam, what is it? Adam Hubert, Adam Hubert, the artist. Yeah. Um, he like posted this splash page from an old uh, Wolverine from the nineties. And it was like, along comes a juggernaut. And it's this spot, big, huge splash page where like juggernaut standing there and Wolverine's eye to eye with him, but Wolverine's standing on top of a bar, like they're inside <laughs> a bar. And I was like, man, that's so rad. And it reminded me it's, it's interesting Cause like sometimes I'll see they'll have older comics up in the shop and it'll, I'll, it'll like I'll time travel back into the shops when I was a kid. So even if the issue itself is not 
worth a ton of money. To me, it's very valuable because I'm like, oh man, I remember like that gives me like a feeling of like being back at 21st century comics in orange when I was a kid. Yeah. And so like, I was like, oh, maybe TNT will have it. So I'm like, this is the first time I've done this since I started buying comics again. It's like, I'm rifling through the old issues of Wolverine and I found it and it was three bucks and I was so stoked. I couldn't believe it. I was like this comic from the nineties. I found it. I have never looked for a comic at TNT that I didn't find. They have everything. It's amazing. I don't understand how they have such a huge, you know, their inventory is incredible. And I think they sell anytime they sell a trade, they mark it down and they order another one, a replacement one. Yeah. I have the, they have that little like card. Yeah. And they mark it. Yeah. Like, dude, that's crazy. That's, but, yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, um, apparently Johnny's 500 alarms. It's time for him to leave. So <laughs> coach chef, thanks for making the time. Johnny, uh, we'll just let you run out of here. Thanks for having me guys. Uh, I might be able to jump in on the top five. We'll see what happens. Everybody it's top five Westerns. Um, I can't wait to ridicule Johnny's list along. Oh, the way. it's going to suck. Hey, that will already have happened <laughs> no, on the show. It's going to suck. His list is already going to suck. And Lou will come in and go, Oh, that sucked. So we're going to go. Maybe back. Johnny should just sit this one out. You and I will do top five this episode. Hey, you know what? <laughs> I, I picked Die Hard because he says, Yippee motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks, everyone. Okay, now we're at that portion where we give some recommendations. All right. Well, I'm going to start this off. Uh, so I recommend on my bro's road trip, I got an audiobook. Um, I've read a couple. I read, uh, I've read a couple of his books. Edward Bunker. Uh, he was in, you probably know him. He was Mr. Blue in Reservoir Dogs. Oh. He was the one who was talking about in the opening when they were talking about Madonna and like virgin and whatever she was fucked so hard yeah that it was and he was like man and he's old he's an old guy and he's like man I, she just lost me after borderline <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he uh was a criminal in his life he spent the majority of his life in uh prison and while he was in san quentin he wrote a book his first uh novel that was published um uh, called um no beast so fierce and it was published while he was in San Quentin. And then once he got out, he just, he didn't go back to prison. He gave up the life of crime and wrote novels. And so I listened to the audio book. Um, I read his book, Little Boy Blue. 
year, like probably 30 years ago while I was in high school, just because I gravitated toward writers who were fuck ups. Yeah. <laughs> uh, big surprise. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, no um, Beast So Fierce by Edward Bunker is a great glimpse into, um, man, just a fuck up criminal. <laughs> Uh, is it, is it, uh, it, I mean, it's fiction, but it's based on his life. I mean, once you know about his life, it's all the shit he did. Um, like he, dude in LA. So he was raised in LA. He tried to organize like the, uh, prostitutes. And so he was like, what to like blackmail. uh, Yeah. Like kind of like unionize him, but be the (laughs) ultimate pimp of pimps. And was starting to like hone in on like the pimps and they found out about him and then like beat him within an inch of his life and uh, interesting character. But he went on to write um, Runaway Train, which he wrote the screenplay or co-wrote the screenplay that had uh, John Boy and uh, it was the first movie that uh, Danny Trejo was in. Um, cause he just kind of was hanging out. He'd gotten out of prison himself and he was making comments. Like he didn't think the depicted, uh, prison violence was correct. So he got a role to like be involved, like to get in the ring and fight. So anyway, Edward Bunker, no be so fierce. Uh, fantastic. That's my recommendation. Yeah. That's awesome. Mine is, uh, another podcast. It's, uh, Origins podcast. This is season six. What they usually do is they'll every season they'll pick like one season they talk about old school Saturday Night Live, and they get all the people on and talk. They've done uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm one season and get everyone on there, Larry David and everyone. Oh, okay, that's cool. This season, <clears throat> excuse me, Rona. It's a uh, <laughs> it's by uh, James Andrew Miller, and just look up look up Origins. And uh, they're doing the season six is they have a reunion of my favorite movie, Almost Famous. And they got James Cameron and the whole cast. You know what? I did not know this was based on a podcast, you know, because obviously it makes sense. I read an article Uh that I guess James Cameron was talking about. So uh, Russell Hammond was originally supposed to be played by Brad Pitt. No shit. I was just going to tell our audience that. (laughs) Sorry, we're, dude. we're, we're, Sorry, we're dude. even for the last episode when I kept jumping all over you. Okay, I, I, this, my is, bad. this is my, my recommendation. Okay, sorry, go. Con- I was, continue. I was also going to say, like, the mom in the movie was originally going to be Meryl Streep, and this and the daughter, the, the flight attendant, was going to be Natalie Portman. Yeah, and apparently, I read that Brad Pitt and Natalie Portman like were rehearsing together. Yeah, but like, you kind of got the vibe that Brad backed out that like uh he didn't like uh he was in like he had the part like he was working with Cameron for four fucking months and then said I'm out and they were like what are we gonna do that was our star attached and uh you know he would have I mean I love uh it would have it would have ended up taking away from the movie though like it it was almost better killed it though he would have fucking been rad in it he would have been i would love to see that i mean almost famous is a nearly perfect film no and they and they talk about i love that film and and billy crudup is that you say his last name crudup or 
Kudrup or yeah. Whatever. Uh, he killed. He did great. He was great. But yeah. dude, Brad Pitt would have killed it. Yeah. Well, uh, James Cameron was talking about like doing like he was at his house and Brad was doing like the he was pretending to do the scene where he uh, picks up the phone when the mom calls. Oh, and then yeah. he's like, your mom kind of freaked me out. Like yeah. he said, Brad Pitt was doing it and like would have been crazy. And so like each episode, they like the first episode's about casting. The second episode's about James Cameron. And because, you know, it's semi-autobiographical. Yeah. And uh, dude, you get to find out so much shit that you've always wondered about the movie. Like, well, what band was he really talking about? All right. All right. Is there going to be a spoiler? Because I'm going to guess. And will you tell me if I guess it right? Well, it's a combination. But yeah, guess. The Almond Brother. That has a lot to do with it, dude. Well, who? What's well, it? like the chasing around the room, like trying to get locked down the interview. Yeah. That was uh, Greg Almond, dude. Okay. Like, and like in real life, like he, he got the interview and then Greg fucking stole the tapes from him, his interview tapes. Oh, no shit. And wouldn't give it back. And then like just to be a dick, yeah. Or well, was just he was all fucking coked out and stuff. And then like he went to the hotel room and talked to the photographer. And they're like, I dude, he told me everything. This is gonna be an amazing interview. And then they, uh, <laughs> and then Red Dog, their roadie called and like, you're gonna need to bring those tapes back up to the room. <laughs> so I, um, I heard. So initially when the movie came out, the um, Cameron Crowe. I mean, it was, you know, semi autobiographical, and that he did get an assignment. You yeah, know, super young, like in high school from Rolling Stone. And it was the Allman Brothers was like his big like Rolling Stone yeah. first interview. He uh, also dude, he also went to like Japan with fucking Leonard Skinner. So like the airplane scene. Oh Leonard Skinner. Yeah. Um he <clears throat> he was really good friends with uh fuck, what was his name? The guy that plays all the Wawa shit. Um, oh, I'm, uh, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan? No, no, no. Um, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But, <laughs> fix it in post. Yeah. <laughs> but dude, it's it's super interesting. And like, and then episode three is how they go to uh, rock camp, and like Ann Wilson, and like they have like real rock oh, stars that teach them to be a band. Oh, dude, gel. they were uh, Peter Frampton. Peter Frampton, Chris. That's who it was. Because uh, he, he, I mean, I watched when the making of that he worked with the band. Peter Frampton and Ann Wilson were like their coaches yeah, at and, band camp. They call it band camp. And they were like, dude, we thought that they should have kept like Steelwater. They could have had a career. Yeah, they could have gone on the road. <laughs> they could have gone on the road. Yeah. It, uh, yeah dude, and when I he love was, that movie. Dude, when he was 16 years old, he was, he was already working for Rolling Stone and stuff. But uh, like he did the liner notes for Frampton Comes Alive. When he was 16 years old, he wrote the riot. He was the first one to hear Frampton Comes Alive. Besides like management and studio people, he was the first person ever to hear that album. He went to the studio with him, then wrote the liner notes. Dude, that's crazy. Dude, I love that movie. It's making me want to watch that movie again. I love it so much. I just sent you the, like a couple weeks ago, I sent you, it was on and I... It, I sent, I texted you. Oh, was, dude, we're going back with the lines. Yeah, we're going to all the Le Lester Bang lines. And, uh, then, and then I was like, do I own three copies of this movie? Yes. Is it on regular TV? Yes. Am I watching it? Yes. Oh, dude. <laughs> that is one of the movies. I probably have like five or six movies that if it's on TV, I stop and watch. I will watch. And Almost Famous is, because every scene in that movie is freaking great. Yeah, it, it, It's worth watching. And I got to tell people, if you like that movie... I, you don't have to super like it like I do, but 
uh, they have a, an edition called the bootleg cut, and it's 45 minutes longer than an already long movie. Because that movie's I have already... A, dude, I haven't seen the bootleg cut. Yeah, I have it. You can borrow it. No, you can't, because you actually... Uh, I will actually watch this, though. You fucking lose everything I give you, dude. That... Super I was troopers. in a major. Well, I was in a move. Okay. I, mo- I moved across town. <laughs> leave I, me, leave me alone. I just <laughs> lost my job. <laughs> you know what? You can borrow it because you can probably watch it the next day right now. Yeah, I ain't got nothing going I, on. I got shit to do, dude. I'm fucking. <laughs> I'm getting them Rona money. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. So, what's your music recommendation? Okay. Well, obviously, after we've talked about all the, the great westerns and. You know, the number one composer for all the Westerns is Ennio Morricone. <laughs> Let, let's hear Dude. you pronounce it. Ennio Morricone. And, uh, we practiced that. Yeah, and it didn't. It like uh, Probably 10 times, but this was the first time I heard the Italian accent come through. Mor- Morricone. Morricone. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> uh, my favorite thing. Like, is my favorite song that he does is in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and it's The Ecstasy of Gold. And uh, anyone that's ever seen Metallica, they play that scene at the graveyard. Yeah. His, his whole thing before Metallica comes on every time. Metallica have been doing that since, like, the second concert they've ever played. Yeah, they did that in the first concert I went to. They, they still do. When yeah. I saw them at the Rose Bowl, they do it. And uh, they actually... They actually recorded a version of his song, and uh, it's been out a long time, but like my brother, I was telling my brother about it, he had never heard it till last week when I sent it to him. So we're going to play The Ecstasy of Gold performed by Metallica. All right, sounds good. In honor of him. Lay it on me. All right. Oh, hold on, hold on. You're going to mention, you didn't even mention that he died. Yes, he died at 91. Yeah. I mean, so. dude, he had Mark such a rad... Marconi. So this is not sad. This is a celebration of his, of his life's life. work. Sounds good. Let's hear it. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. 